So, Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, Go through the camp and tell the people, Get your provisions ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you command, whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And now uh, chapter 24, which is the last chapter of Joshua. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago your ancestors including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him through Canaan and gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, 
I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them with chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. But they cried to the Lord for help, and he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. Then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites, but I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end of you after he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, No, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and obey him. 
On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, at timnath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died and was buried at Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. Good evening. Uh, great to be with you tonight, and great to be opening up uh, the book of Joshua together. Uh, it'll help enormously to have Joshua open in front of you if you have a Bible. Uh, we will be trying to cover the whole of the book, so we'll be flicking back and forth through it. Feel free to flick as fast as you can. I want to ask, uh, to start with, what is the first thing you tell yourself every day? What's the first thing you tell yourself every day? Uh, do you tell yourself Australia? That's for later on. You might not tell yourself anything. Uh, you might just wake up and get into action and do whatever it is that you have to do for that day. I don't think I've ever told myself anything other than just five more minutes, just five more, <laughs> it's all I need. Uh, but, you know, the experts say uh, that that's what we should do. Uh, start the day uh, by talking to yourself. Uh, tell yourself uh, truths about who you are and your life. Start your day talking to yourself. So we're going to think about that tonight. As we look at the book of Joshua, uh, it's going to tell us three things uh, for us to tell ourselves each day. Uh, as I said, our task tonight is to cover all 24 chapters of the book of Joshua. Uh, we read the start and the finish, and uh, really we just want to fly over it. It's like this map, it's like seeing a map of Australia rather than visiting Bustleton. What we're doing tonight is we're flying over the whole of Australia, just getting the vibe. You know, Sydney's over there, desert in the middle, crocodiles live up here. That's the, the scope of what we're trying to do, but with the book of Joshua. To start with, what we need to do is get a, a picture of where Joshua is in the big story of the Bible. At the start of the Bible, uh, what we see is the world created by God, created to be good, uh, but then broken by human sin. 
Thankfully, God doesn't leave his world like that. As you read on, God launches a plan to bless the whole world uh, through one man, through Abraham and his family. And he does that by making promises to Abraham. He promises uh, to make Abraham into this great nation. He promises to give them a land of their own and he promises to have a special relationship with Abraham's family, that he will be their God and they will be his people. And so you get to the start of Joshua and those promises are starting to come true. God has made them into a huge nation. He's rescued them out of slavery in Egypt and made them into this people. He's given them his special law, uh, this special bond between him and them that they might be his people. And everything is going great, except they are God's special people, but they are a homeless people. They haven't got the land. God hasn't delivered on that promise yet, until now. That's what Joshua is all about. That is uh, Joshua. All the action is focused in on the land of Canaan, this promised land uh, that God will give them. Have a look there, chapter 1. Uh, right at the start. This is uh, setting the scene. Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. See that, just as God promised Abraham and then passed on to Moses, now he is delivering on this promise of a land, the land that he is giving to them. And so that's the focus of the book of Joshua. It all revolves around this land. On the next slide, we have a a bit of a breakdown. These are the main parts of Joshua as a book, kind of broken down by chapter. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can flick through as we look through these. The first Four chapters are about entering the land and so they spy out the land and they cross uh, the Jordan River just like they crossed the Red Sea out of Egypt and God brings them into this land. Uh, The next big section is focused on the military conquest, uh, taking the land, then the story after story of these military victories. Uh, Then you get uh, the third chunk, the biggest chunk of the book is uh, nine chapters uh, and it's there as possessing the land. Uh, It's really nine chapters of precise geographic details about which tribe gets which piece of land. Uh, If you've ever tried reading through Joshua yourself, you may have got stuck at this point. It's quite hard going. And then the book finishes... Uh, with a few chapters at the end about retaining the land. Really, it finishes with a choice, a choice for Israel. Will they do what is required to live as God's people in the land that he's given them? Uh, So, uh, the book is about land. But before we kind of dig into the meaning of uh, these different sections we need to answer a thorny question. That is, what about the people already in this land? What about the Canaanites? Uh, Famous 
biologist Richard Dawkins uh, wrote the following in his book, The God Delusion. I think we have a slide for this as well. Uh, The God of the Old Testament is arguably, he says, uh, the most unpleasant character in all fiction. Jealous and proud of it. A petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak. A vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser. That's uh, Richard Dawkins' assessment of God. And I imagine that he has read Joshua. Have a look with me uh, at Joshua chapter twelve, uh, chapter 11, verse 12. Flick there, chapter 11, verse 12. This is how the book of Joshua sums up the conquest, uh, that this taking of the land that's happened in this section. Chapter 11, verse 12. It says, Joshua took all these royal cities and their kings and put them to the sword. Then uh, further down, verse 14, the Israelites carried off for themselves all the plunder and livestock of these cities, but all the people they put to the sword until they completely destroyed them, not sparing anyone that breathed. It's a pretty confronting account. And the most difficult part of it uh, is that that is exactly what God said to do. Have a look at the, the next verse. Uh, This wasn't Joshua being disobedient, this is him being obedient. Verse 15, as the Lord commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did it. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Uh, On the surface, uh, you have to ask, is Dawkins right? Uh, Is this just another reason for modern people to reject God. Uh, but dig a little deeper into the Bible's account, and even here, even in this account of the conquest, you see something of God's justice and mercy. Something of God's justice and mercy. Uh, this isn't ethnic cleansing, uh, this is God's just anger at human evil. Human rebellion. Uh, We're going to jump out of Joshua now. Turn back with me to Genesis, first book of the Bible. Genesis chapter 15. We're going back to these uh, promises made to Abraham. And here, Genesis chapter 15, God is speaking to Abraham about what uh, will happen in future with this land. Genesis 15 verse 16 He says, uh, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. See, God's actually been patient with the people in the land. He doesn't give Abraham the land immediately because it's a matter of justice. Because when God's anger falls on this people, it will be because of their sin, of their evil. They were a a people far from God, with worship that involved child sacrifice and idol worship, and it brings God's anger. 
And the truth is that God is angry with the entire world that turns away from him. And for the Canaanites, for these Amorites, it comes in the shape of the conquest of Israel. But even here, we have seen a picture of God's patience, but also his justice, that he won't let sin go on forever. That is something that is true about God. He does bring justice. So as you read uh, Joshua and uh, read the account of the conquest, it should actually be a warning for us. It's not a reason to reject God. It's a warning not to go on rejecting God. But even here, even in this conquest, even at this point, we see God's mercy. The sin of the Amorites has reached its full measure. The conquest is happening. And yet, you read through Joshua, what happens? People still turn to the Lord and he saves them. He shows them mercy. Uh, Chapter 2, Joshua. We get the story of Rahab. Uh, Flick back there. Pro tip, keep your finger in Joshua. We're going to be coming back there all the time. Uh, Rahab is a prostitute. Uh, She lives in the city of Jericho and the Israelites send spies uh, into Jericho to spy out the city to see how they might take it and they visit Rahab. Uh, No points for guessing why. They visit her uh, and basically she uses it as an opportunity to appeal for mercy. Uh, When her own people come and try and hunt down these spies... She hides them herself. And afterwards, this is what she says to them. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. That's chapter 2, verse 9. Now jump down, chapter 2, verse 12. She says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because, because I have shown kindness to you. Uh, She doesn't side with her own people. She throws her lot in with God and God's people. And she cuts a deal. And she says, I want to be with Yahweh, the God who is in control. The same thing happens later on in chapter 9. We won't uh, go into that. The the Gibeonites do a, a similar thing. They cut a deal. They appeal for mercy. And so even as Joshua uh, recounts uh, this violent conquest, actually it's pointing us towards God's justice and his mercy. His anger at human sin, but his willingness to forgive for anyone who would switch sides. Richard Dawkins, I'm sure, read Joshua, but he missed the point. Uh, Joshua is telling the story of God winning a great victory to keep his promises. Joshua is about God winning a great victory to keep his promises. And really, we're going to zoom in on those two things, uh, God's great victory and him keeping his promises. They're the two big sections uh, in the middle of Joshua. Uh, So firstly, we see God winning a great victory. Uh, That's the main message of that second big section, taking the land. And the thing that Joshua keeps on telling us is that it's God who does it. 
God wins the victory. Uh, flick to the end of Joshua, chapter 23, second last chapter. This is how Joshua sums it up, chapter 23, verse 9. He says, the Lord has driven out before you. The Lord has done it. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord, your God, fights for you, just as he promised. God is the one who gives them the victory because he has promised. Uh, Take, for example, the battle of Jericho. Uh, You might have read that uh, if you've grown up hearing kind of Christian stories um, as a child. It's a very famous one. Uh, You might know the famous Christian pickup line, uh, how many times do I have to walk around you before you fall for me? Uh, That's the Battle of Jericho. So what they do, they come up against this uh, huge fortified city uh, and what do they do? Well, they, they just walk around it. They walk around it for seven days. They employ that well-known military tactic, blowing trumpets. That's, that's the thing that God gives them. But they obey, they simply follow the Lord's instructions and the walls come crashing down. And that happens time and again. It is God who gives the victory. In another battle, in chapter 10, we're told that the Lord hurled huge hailstones down on them and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. God is fighting for Israel and he is keeping his promise. And as far as Israel are willing to obey, they receive that victory, they receive God's blessings. The problem is, as you read through Joshua, that the Israelites are so unwilling to obey God. Uh, All the way through, we see examples of them failing when they go it alone. Uh, Have a look at chapter 7, verse 1. Straight after the the victory at Jericho, a man named Achan takes some of the plunder for himself. Uh, Against the command of God, he takes uh, these things that were to be devoted to the Lord. And verse 1, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel and they're defeated. And so we see over and over again that even while God is winning a victory for them, even as God gives them all of his promises, they are still faithless and ungrateful. Uh, Flick forward now to chapter 17, verse 16. Uh, This is in the section where... uh, The land is being allocated out to the various tribes. Chapter 17, verse 16. Uh, This is what the people of Joseph say. The people of Joseph replied, The hill country is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites who live in the plain have chariots fitted with iron, both those in Bethshan and its settlements and those in the valley of Jezreel. Sorry, I read that badly. Let me try again. Let me try again. The people of Joseph replied, the hill country's not enough for us. Uh, all the Canaanites who live in the plain, uh, they've got chariots fitted with iron. You get the point, right? Uh, 
They rely on themselves. They don't even realize that God is giving them the land. And they are faithless and ungrateful. They rely on themselves and they fail. But the message of Joshua is that God is winning a great victory to keep his promises. Uh, Flick across to Joshua 24. All the way through, what you see is that God's promises are what matter here. God's promises matter. 24 verse 14. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. How can it emphasise it any more for us? Not one has failed. Every promise. And that's why that third section of the book is so long, uh, full of all this detail about uh, this portion of land from this mountain range through to this river belongs to this uh, family tribe, this people uh, within the people of Israel. All this detail. They're not just... Uh, boring details, even though kind of we just skim over them as we read. Uh, actually, they're evidence of God's faithfulness. It's a little bit like uh, how I find watching the medal presentations at the end of the AFL Grand Final. Uh, I'm not sure if you have ever done that. I find them insufferable. Uh, it's just it's boring. They just uh, and now number twelve, uh, Jack McSomebody or other. Uh, And just number after number, person after person gets their award. But for team supporters, if you uh, support the winning team, this is it, right? Every number, every name matters. Uh, Each and every one is a mark of this great victory that has been won and it is precious to you. And you sit there and you watch the replay over and over. Uh, And for Israel, this is it. This is their grand final moment. God has brought about every single one of his promises, given each and every one of them the inheritance that he has promised, and it is magical for them. And it's important for us as well, if we are to be a people who trust that God will deliver on what he says. Joshua is the story of God winning a great victory to keep his promises. That's the big message. Uh, Joshua's the story of God winning a great victory to keep his promises. And if we get that in our heads, then I think we'll, it'll help us to see how Joshua points forward to uh, the life of Jesus. Because in Jesus' death and resurrection, we see God's ultimate victory take place. God uh, opposes himself to our greatest enemies, sin and death, and he deals with them. He defeats them once and for all. At the cross, we see God's justice and mercy as the sin of all humankind is put upon Jesus so that evil, guilty people like us might switch sides, might find mercy in the Lord Jesus. And God 
achieves a great victory over sin that is dealt with, paid for, done away with. And in his resurrection, uh, we see death defeated, death itself gone as Jesus is raised to life. And so all of God's promises to bless this world, to uh, make a special relationship between his people, the people that he has made, his creation and himself, come true as a people are forgiven, made new in Jesus by his death and resurrection. And so God wins a mighty victory in order to keep his promises. And even more than that, uh, in Joshua we see the focus is on the land. Uh, But in Christ we see an even greater promise, Uh, not just a physical land around us, but an eternal physical home, a new creation, an eternal home where God's people can live with him forever. In Jesus, God has won a great victory to keep his promises. But the book of Joshua doesn't finish there. Uh, We still have part four, which is the question of Israel retaining the land. And really the whole of the book is setting up to this point, uh, this question, this choice at the end that Joshua puts to the people. Who will you fear? Who will you serve? Uh, There's an old uh, soccer cliche uh, that goes like this. Uh, A team is most vulnerable... Uh, just after they've scored. A team is most vulnerable just after they've scored. And in my limited experience of soccer, that's true. Uh, You know, the team scores, they celebrate, yay, kicked a goal. Uh, And you can't help it, you relax a little bit. Ha, we did it. Uh, And that is when a team is at their most vulnerable because uh, the other team is now switched on, they want to get one back, Uh, but also, they, you know, the, the stress has gone out of the situation uh, for the scoring team. They've done part of it. Their immediate goal of putting the ball in the back of the net is achieved, but their ultimate goal of winning the game is still out there. And that's kind of the situation for Israel, uh, right here in Joshua. The immediate goal of taking the land has happened But the ultimate goal is still unfinished. That is, will they live in the land as God's people? Will they be able to live faithfully in the land and retain the land? That's the question. And that's how the book ends, with this question, this choice. Will Israel be faithful? Will they hold fast to God? And uh, in that final three chapters, it, it poses that question in two really powerful ways. It does it uh, firstly with a story in chapter 22 and then with a speech in chapters 23 and 24. We don't have time to dig into the story, uh, but it is a really wonderful story, uh, really easy to read and make sense of. Uh, so I'd really encourage you, go home, read chapter 22 uh, tonight. It's a great story of Israel getting it right an encouraging story about Israel getting it right for a change. Uh, but then the whole of the book ends with that speech that we had 
uh, read, chapter 24. And I want to uh, finish with that, but we'll pick it up from verse 13. Uh, so he starts by doing this whole recap of their, their history, and then 24, verse 13, he says, So I, that is God, gave you a land on which you did not toil, and cities you did not build, and you live in them, and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, fear the Lord, and serve him, with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates all the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's a speech uh, that has motivated a thousand cross-stitches and inspirational mugs down at Kurong uh, that you can buy. But it should. It definitely should. It, that's what it's meant to be. It's meant to be memorable. You're meant to hang it over your house, uh, you know, in the entryway. Choose this day who you will serve. That is the choice. The whole book of Joshua is leading up to that point. Uh, The conquest, all of God's victories for them, all of their own failures, the detailed allocation of the land, all of it is building up to that choice. Who will you serve? And because of that, because of the way that Joshua builds to all of that, to that choice, uh, it means that Joshua can work as a script for talking to yourself. That's where we uh, started tonight. Uh, The idea that we might say things to ourselves each day. And I think Joshua uh, tells us uh, what we might say to ourselves. I think Joshua would have God's people start each day like this. You wake up, turn off your alarm, and you think to yourself, God has won a great victory. God has won a great victory for me. Two, God has kept his promises. God has kept his promises to us as a people. Three, who will I serve this day? Could we not wake up and tell ourselves those two things and ask ourselves that question? To take that same message, to say to ourselves, to, to wake up, to face the new day and say, God has won a great victory for me at the cross. He has made me his. He has given me new life in him. God has won a great victory for me. That is true this day. Two, God has kept his promises. God has been totally faithful to everything he has said and he will keep his promise to bring me home. Three, today, who will I serve this day?